Chapter twenty five of Carpenter's Geographical Reader Africa by Frank G. Carpenter. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Betty B. About Kuka and Lake Chad. We have sailed down the Nile from Uganda for some distance, and thence crossed the vast expanse of country between that river and Lake Chad to Kuka, the capital of Bornu, on the western side of the lake we have met many caravans on our way and as we near kuka we see long strings of camels going in and coming out of its gates the tail of each camel is tied by a string to the nose of the one behind it so that if one wishes to pass he has to wait until the whole caravan has gone by the caravans coming in have just arrived from the desert and those going out are on their way north through the different oases to the mediterranean now we have passed through the gate and are in kuka what an odd city we can see a great part of the town as we sit on our camels it is composed of thousands of thatched huts with here and there a one or two-story building the city has two sections each surrounded by a white clay wall in one live the king his nobles and some of the army and in the other the arab merchants and the common people between the two lies the market thronged with donkeys and camels horses and mules and the thousands of odd characters which make up the city there are native soldiers moving about some are armed with lances spears and swords and others with guns we learn that the king of bornu is powerful and that he has many men in his army bornu has for ages been noted as one of the chief kingdoms of africa and it has a written history which can be traced back a thousand years it was once the centre of a great empire and its people grew rich through their wars and by trading their wealth spoiled them and they neglected to keep up their army and were afterward destroyed since then other empires have risen and fallen and even today the country is great it has a territory a little larger than the state of illinois and its population is supposed to number several millions the people are mostly mohammedans they are great traders dealing largely in slaves whom they buy or capture from the neighboring tribes and send across the sahara they hunt elephants and ostriches exchanging the feathers and ivory for european goods which they in turn send farther south to sell many of the natives are farmers the country has a fertile soil we have already passed by little plantations of cotton wheat millet and other grains on our way here there are also groves of bananas and delicious fruits they have excellent horses and we have no trouble in hiring saddle animals for a trip about the country we take rides along the shores of lake chad keeping well out of the way of the hippopotamuses which are to be seen here and there with their noses just above the surface of the water or wading about in the shallows near the shore now and then we take a ride in one of the native boats the lake is by no means so beautiful nor so large as lake victoria although it is one of the largest lakes of the world it varies in size with the seasons during the floods it becomes an enormous lagoon almost as big as lake huron while in dry times it is as small as lake erie and looks more like a swamp than a lake leaving kuka we travel eastward through bornu to kano making our way with a party of traders from one place to another we have to go slowly 
marching along in single file for the roads are mere paths leading from village to village it takes quite a little army to carry our baggage we have not only food but also bales of clothes and bushels of cowrie shells with which to pay our expenses the traders have their money in slaves making each slave carry a load of goods on his head and selling both slave and goods at the villages on the way a good slave is worth one hundred and fifty thousand cowries and slaves have long been a common currency in this part of africa we do not believe in slave trading and therefore carry cloths and cowrie shells instead silver and gold coins are not known and the only money used for small change is these little shells which are brought by the shipload to africa from different parts of the indian ocean each shell is about as big as a lima bean and its value in some places is so small that it takes forty to be worth one of our cents and five dollars worth would fill a bushel basket such an amount of shells would be a load for two men and if all our money were carried that way we should not have enough to pay the wages of the porters by the time we reach kano therefore we use cloth one bale of which is worth many thousand shells we cut off a yard or so at each village and trade it for shells with which to buy what we want we also do much trading by barter exchanging what we have for the goods of the natives this way of doing business seems odd if we ask a man who has a sheep for sale what it is worth he may reply three yards of black stuff or six yards of white stuff or perhaps fifty glass beads or so many bars of salt according to what we have to offer most things are exchanged in this way and the people are so like children that a mechanical toy or a doll which cries would easily buy several parrots or monkeys we regret that we have not toys to take the place of the mass of cowrie shells we are carrying we move along carefully stopping at the villages every night and going nowhere alone after dark for fear of lions leopards and other wild beasts we keep together on the march lest we be captured by the slave traders and carried off to the wilder parts of the country and sold every now and then we see strange birds of beautiful plumage and butterflies and moths more gorgeous than any found in our land there are frogs in the swamps and tortoises and crocodiles in the rivers we are told to look out for snakes and especially for the little puff adder whose bite is death the insects of africa are quite as dangerous as the wild beasts we examine our toes every night to know whether we have been bitten by the jigger a little insect which burrows under one's toenails and there lays its eggs this is done so gently that one does not know it is until his toe begins to itch and then upon looking a black spot is seen just under the nail this contains the eggs in a little sack which may be taken out with a needle if it is left and the eggs hatch the insects create a festering sore which often causes the loss of a toe among the most interesting african insects are the ants which are to be found in almost all parts of the continent as we travel about we often go by mounds thirty or forty feet thick and from ten to fifteen feet high each mound is an anthill the home of thousands of ants it is a network of tunnels galleries and chambers arranged in stories some of which are far below the level of the ground it might be called an ant apartment house 
the ants have a queen who is waited upon by the workers away down in the basement of such a house the queen lays all the eggs of the colony and her subjects take them as they are laid and carry them off to the nurseries to hatch them in some colonies there are soldier ants which guard the queen and the working ants labor under the soldiers among the most destructive of these insects are the white ants we soon learn about them for they have got into our baggage and eaten our lead pencils the corks from our bottles and all other things made of wood white ants will eat almost anything except iron or very hard wood they eat tables and chairs a man with a wooden leg would not dare to sleep in certain parts of africa for fear of finding his leg a heap of sawdust in the morning these ants burrow into the wood of houses they work in the dark and eat inside the posts and pillars until nothing is left of them but mere shells which finally give way and the whole house falls in going through the woods we are surprised to see but few dead trees upon the ground and very few branches we often pick up a stick to use as a cane and find that it breaks to pieces in our hands the ants have eaten out the inside of the stick and left only the shell they have eaten the dead trees and the shells have crumbled to dust such ants are bad enough but there are others much worse there are some whose bites sting like red-hot needles and others so ferocious that we can pull their bodies apart but their jaws still stick in our flesh we are warned against the terrible driver or soldier ant and give him a wide berth this ant does not weigh as much as the smallest pea but lions leopards and even elephants rush to get out of its way the driver ants move in vast numbers in regular order from place to place looking like a strip of black ribbon as they cross one's path if they meet anything living they throw themselves upon it and bite it to death they tear the flesh bit by bit from the bones and in a short time reduce it to a skeleton when they attack a hut not only the people but even the rats mice and insects run out for nothing living is willing to fight the terrible driver if they get upon us the best thing to do will be to rush for the nearest stream and dive in the ants do not like water and they will let go when it touches them End of chapter 25